Christmas is coming and soon a new year to come. Hi, I'm Charles Morris, and this is the Great Stories Podcast. As we work on wrapping up 2021 here at Haven Ministries, I wanted to share with you our Christmas special that aired on radio stations all over North America this year. It's called The Son of David. And without further ado, let's get started. Some songs just sound like Christmas, don't they? I don't know about you, but Carol of the Bells always makes me think about the best things of the season. And there are indeed signs that Christmas is here. For some, the snow falling gently on a front lawn. Others in warmer places, like where Haven's headquarters is in Southern California. The Santa Ana winds blowing the palm trees, a sign that it's Christmas time. I wonder what other things make you think that it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Families and friends gathering together, some of them coming from hundreds, maybe thousands of miles away, baking tasty goodies with friends or watching grandma make her famous fudge. The tree up in the corner with brightly wrapped presents scattered beneath. Signs of Christmas are all around us. Things have been different the last few Christmas seasons, wouldn't you say? COVID-19 has changed life, that is for sure. And hopefully next Christmas will be something back to normal, whatever normal is. But maybe the strangeness of the last few holiday seasons is enough for us to re-examine what we thought we knew. After all, is anything more routine than a normal Christmas? Is it possible that we are so used to the decorations and the festivities that we forget what Christmas really is all about. And I don't just mean that we need to keep Christ in Christmas. I mean that we need to remember who the Christ of Christmas is. In Luke chapter 1, verse 32, we read these familiar words, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Jesus is the son of the Most High. We know what that means, at least as much as we can understand it. Jesus is God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, who took on flesh and came to earth. But what does that last part of the verse even mean? The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Why is Jesus the son of David? Wasn't he conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary? And wasn't Joseph his adopted human father? And the answer, of course, is yes. But when we read in the Bible that Jesus is the son of David, it means something surprising, something even wonderful. Understanding the answer, though, means we have to go way back into the Old Testament, long before Christ was born. Join me as we look and as we see who this son of David really is. Christmas isn't just something that happened unexpectedly. It is connected to the Old Testament, and Jesus is the answer to God's promises from the beginning. Listen to the very first Christmas verse in all the Bible, Genesis 3, 15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers, He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. Most people don't read the first few chapters of Genesis and think of Christmas, do they? 
But without this verse, there would be no Savior born in Bethlehem. We know what happened before Genesis 3.15, don't we? God created the heavens and the earth. He made Adam and Eve, and he gave them everything they could have wanted or ever needed. But they fell into sin. And we know what happened next. The Lord came in judgment, and Adam, Eve, and the serpent were standing guilty before him. But here we see the first promise of the gospel. God will send a man descended from Eve who will do what Adam should have done. He will obey God perfectly and defeat the serpent Satan in the process. God didn't owe Adam and Eve anything, but he promised them grace and mercy all the same. Isn't that just like our Lord? God is love and he always has been. So when we realize that we have a Christmas verse already in Genesis 3.15, it shows us that the Bible is all one story. In fact, it's the greatest story ever told, and it's all about Jesus. Maybe this is old news to you. You've probably heard it on Haven Today many times after all. But let's think about this for a moment. Our first parents committed treason against the King of Kings. And what did the Lord do? He saved them. He promised them a savior and covered them with animal skins. And that's what Christmas is all about. Sure, we have our trees, we have our presents under the trees, we get time off from work and school, and some of us even get a little snow. But what this day really is, what that first Christmas really was, is a rescue operation. And God himself came to save his people. People tell us to keep Christ in Christmas, and that's a very good thing. But we also need to keep Christ in the Old Testament. If we don't do that, Christmas won't make any sense in the first place. Jesus, the son of David, came to save us. Christmas was the fulfillment of the promise God made right at the beginning. Emmanuel, God with us would come from the descendants of Eve. This was the great hope of the Old Testament. The Deliverer was about to come. This Emmanuel was coming. They didn't know that yet, of course. They knew that the seed of the woman, a champion, was on his way. But Adam and Eve didn't have a lot to go on, did they? Yet history kept marching on all the same. We see this promise played a part in later redemptive history as God promised to Abraham that through him all the families of the earth would be blessed. The seed would come from Abraham, and God renewed this promise with his son Isaac and with Isaac's son Jacob. Soon we find out that the seed would come from Judah, in Genesis 49, as Jacob is saying his final words and prophesying about each one of his sons, we read these words. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nations shall be his. They still didn't know a lot about the coming one, but we know that he came from the tribe of Judah, that he was to be a powerful ruler, 
and that he would crush Satan's head even though he would be wounded in the process. But there's a lot of Bible between Judah and Christmas. So we have to remember what happened to the people of Israel after the Exodus. They were led in the conquest by Joshua. And what happens when the Hebrew name Joshua, which means Savior, is translated into Greek? It becomes Jesus. The people needed another Savior, a better Savior. And that is exactly what God gave them on the very first Christmas day. But Joshua died. And now that isn't very surprising. Everyone dies after all. And after Joshua died, there was no leader like him. There were judges that God appointed, but none of them did what Joshua did. And it only got worse and worse until we get to Samson. That judge only fought for himself. What a far cry from Joshua. And what a far cry from Jesus who not only fought for us, but even died for us in our place. The book of Judges ends on a depressing note. It reminds me of the opening verses of a favorite Christmas carol that goes, Long lay the world in sin and error. This is a Haven Today Christmas special, The Son of David. The world was in darkness. The one place where hope was supposed to arrive Israel was not looking so great in the time of the judges. But when we turn to the books of Samuel, we finally read how the word of God came to his people. God raised up a prophet, Samuel, and suddenly there was hope in Israel like there had not been for generations. But first Samuel 4 rains down on the parade. The people of Israel try to use God like a lucky charm. They bring the Ark of the Covenant to battle, and 30,000 Israelites were killed and the Ark was captured. And when word got back to the city, the wife of Phinehas, one of the priests, went into labor. And as she was there dying in childbirth during the lowest point in Israel's history, we are left with these words. She named the boy Ichabod, saying the glory has departed from Israel. A dark day. But who was born in a stable in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago? The righteous King of Kings who would deliver his people, Emmanuel, God with us. The Israelites knew that they needed a king, at least in part, but they came to Samuel and demanded a king like all the other nations have. And did they ever get one? Saul looked the part and started out well. But it quickly became clear this Benjamite was not the answer. The rest of 1 Samuel is really showing us something important. Saul wasn't the kind of king that Israel needed, but David was. And so this man after God's own heart moves closer and closer to the time where he will sit on the throne of God's people. But then David was not the final answer. And that's why David's son needed to come. Christmas came because David was not that person. Someone better was needed. And the good news is, he was on his way. This is why the Apostle Peter could preach to his countrymen on the day of Pentecost, saying, Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, 
and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing that it was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. This was always the plan. Jesus was always the goal. It is the greatest story ever told, and it's all about him. Without David, we would have a difficult time understanding who Jesus was and what he came to do. In 1 Samuel 16, we have one of the great turning points in all the Bible. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil, and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. And as soon as David, Jesse's youngest son, came in, the Lord said, Rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. Different Christians have different Bible passages that they favor from all over the scriptures, but almost every Christian knows 1 Samuel 16. This is one of the big ones, and the story would be missing something if we didn't have it. And of course, in the next chapter, David kills Goliath. And finally, after all these generations, Israel has a leader to succeed Joshua. The people of God have a king that was anointed who would crush their enemies and finish the conquest. David was a descendant of Eve. That cannot be denied. And more specifically, he is from the people of Abraham and the tribe of Judah, and he was a king then, one after God's own heart. The Old Testament wants us to wonder if this is the one. After all, David might be the seed, the savior, the Messiah. But then we keep reading, and it quickly becomes clear that David is not the final answer. After the king was settled in his palace, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am, living in a house of cedar, while the ark of God remains in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, Whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. But Nathan agreed to David's plan without asking the Lord. So God spoke to Nathan and gave him a message for David. This king, after God's own heart, would not be the one to build the temple in Jerusalem. Instead, Yahweh would build David a house and not a stone building. God meant that he would give David a dynasty. He promised your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Clearly, David wasn't the final savior or the ultimate anointed one. Otherwise, there 
wouldn't needed to have been anyone after him. God had planned something else. His people needed an even greater king, and the Lord was going to give them one. And that's exactly what he did hundreds of years later in the city of David, Bethlehem. David was a king who did a lot of the right things in God's eyes. He was a man of faith who believed the promises Yahweh had made to his people from Genesis 3:15 onward. He was a man of gratitude who responded to the grace God had shown to him, but he was also a sinner. In 2 Samuel 11, we come to the infamous story of David, Bathsheba, and Uriah, a terrible story. It shows us the depth of sin, even in a man who was after God's own heart and had been blessed by Yahweh in almost unimaginable ways. But it shows us something else as well. It shows us that God makes promises to even the worst of sinners. He made a promise to David that one of his descendants would sit on the throne forever. And when the first Christmas finally came, and a boy, a baby boy, was born in Bethlehem to a virgin named Mary, the Lord's promise came to pass. That baby would grow up. That child would live a perfect life, even as an adult, and die a sacrificial death, but rise again in triumph to sit on David's throne. And one of the people he did that for was David from long before. Christ's ancestor needed him as a savior. And so do we this Christmas. David himself understood this. We know that David wrote many of the Psalms and Psalm 110 is one of the most famous. That's where we read these words. The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion, saying, Rule in the midst of your enemies. David knew that he himself was not the Messiah, but he also knew that one of his descendants would be. David would die, but one day an everlasting king would come from his line. The prophets proclaimed this too. Jeremiah once said, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord, our righteous Savior, if not the Son of David. Jesus Christ. You know, the order of the Old Testament in our Bibles is not the same as the order in the old Hebrew Bibles when Christ was born in Bethlehem. You and I finish our Old Testament when we read the final verse of Malachi. But for first century Jews, the final words of the Bible are found in First and Second Chronicles. And how did these books begin? With genealogies. Especially important are the ones that tell us the line of people from Adam to Abraham, and then from Abraham to David. And wouldn't you know it? How does Matthew, the first book of the New Testament, begin? With these very words. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. This is all one story, 
It's the greatest story ever told, the greatest story imaginable, and it's all about Jesus, the Son of David, the one promised and expected in the Old Testament, and the one who showed up in an unexpected way, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So as we celebrate this Christmas, when things are closer to normal but still strangely different, take some time. Remember who Christ is. He's the heir to David's throne. He is the promised one, the Messiah. And Savior Jesus is the leader and king the people of God have been looking for since Adam and Eve fell into sin in the Garden of Eden. Remember, Christmas is not just something that happened unexpectedly. It's connected to the Old Testament. And Jesus is the answer to God's promises from the beginning to the end. What a story. What a promise. What a Messiah. Jesus Christ, the Son of David. Joy to the World was written by a man named Isaac Watts in the 1700s. But the fact that it's such a popular Christmas carol is surprising, and here is why. It talks about Christ's second coming more than his first coming. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. And that's the curse from Genesis 3. As you and I have thought about who Jesus is as the son of David, we've seen a lot about the past, but what about the future? Well, we can take comfort that Christ is sitting on the throne at God's right hand, ruling this universe. And as the people of God in the Old Testament waited for his birth, now we get to await his return. But why can we be confident that he's coming back? Well, because he came the first time. Because the son of David was born in Bethlehem over 2,000 years ago. And he was born to complete his mission, a mission that won't be finished until he returns. You see, without Christmas, without a little baby laid in a manger, there would be no cross, no empty tomb, and no second coming. So how can we not end with the most famous of all Hebrew words, hallelujah, which translated into English means, God be praised. I'm so glad you were able to join me today as we celebrate Jesus together. My prayer is that the scriptures we've looked at, along with the songs we've heard, have caused you to worship the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Savior, Jesus the Christ. When you have time, we'd love to hear from you, and you can call us at 800-654-2836. That's 800-65-HAVEN. Or visit at haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. I'm Charles Morris, and Merry Christmas from Haven Today. I'm so glad you were able to join me today as we celebrate Jesus together. My prayer is that the scriptures we looked at, along with the songs we heard, have caused you to worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Jesus the Christ. 
This podcast is made possible by generous support from Friends of Haven today. And if you'd like to make a gift to this listener-supported ministry, you can learn more at haventoday.org. Or you can also sign up for our weekly email. And if you want to hear more conversations like this, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode, please help us get the word out by leaving us a five-star review. Again, let me just say, Merry Christmas, and thank you for joining me once again on Great Stories with Charles Morris. Thank you.